3: In that case, I pronounce
2: you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Hello, everyone, and good afternoon. We are sorry. We are having some technical difficulties today with our show. So we are actually coming in live from New York, New Jersey, and San Francisco. And I'm bringing on my co-host, Jay Logan. Jay Logan, how are you today? How is it over there in San Francisco? It's wonderful
3: out here. We have great weather and nice sunshine. And uh, I just think it's a great day out here.
1: Oh, that's wonderful, yeah. Jay. Jay, I'm really excited about today's guests. You know, um, it, it, it's just an amazing lineup. We have Swatty Shore today. Who is does a show on Radio Hive called Set Sail with Swati? It's a very very unique show. that talks about the sailor stories of people from around the world and the Caribbean. So it's a very unique thing, and she'll show us a little bit about sailing and all of those things. And then we have a guest by the name of Carol Lester. She's with I'm really excited about this because she's with my hometown, Jersey City, which is considered New York's quote unquote sixth borough, but we're not. We're actually unto ourselves. <laughs> anyway, Carol is actually with the Jersey City Board of Education, and Jay, um, she's with two very unique, actually, uh, committees. One is for uh, search for the superintendent, national superintendent for different schools in the country, and the other one, she's the chair of the Technology, uh, Science, and Green Initiatives for Jersey City. So she is really looking to do a lot with education, so between her and Swati, I think they're two unique people that will offer our audiences today a, a really bird's-eye view into how we can support adults, youth, you know, in the urban environment and in our, in our school system. And so I'm really excited about it. So, you know, before we do that, can we get into today's topics, Jay? Sure, we sure can.
3: Um, some great topics today. Um, I'm excited about this high tech revolution, and with high tech revolution comes a higher higher education. Um, Dr. Andrew Austin and um, also has came up with this course called Coursera, and what it is is you can teach and lecture to a hundred thousand people. At once, and you remember our last show we had, we were worried about the high cost of education. Well, you can get these courses for like 100 or $200, and they have to pay $40,000, and it's just wonderful. Um, he's able to um, grade and uh, answer questions within 22 minutes. Uh, if a student has a question, he'll be able to answer that question. And so I'm just, I'm just great. It's just a great, great idea. Uh, that's happening now with the new technology. and I mean, schools like Phoenix and those schools down there have been able to do this online teaching, but not in this way because this guy has been able to lecture, and uh, it kind of revolutionizes higher education. So um, I think we're coming to a new age of education, Gail.
1: Really? Well, you know, one of the things that I have been interested in, you know, in terms of education, you know, speaking on that, is I've come across something that's really exciting. Uh, as you know, this is I know this is not in New York, everyone, but this there is a, a pretty cool thing that's going on. There is a gentleman that is creating jackets that are not hot for people, for children in Africa and women and men, but especially for children to be able to go to school and not be bitten up by mosquitoes during the day and at night. And it's a material that breathes and actually makes them cooler as they're walking to school, as many people know in africa um education in some parts of africa lots, large parts of africa have to be, a child has to child's parents has to pay for them to go, so they have to walk usually very long distances to get to schools, especially if they're in the villages and along the way, there's mosquitoes and all types of daring mosquito uh species that are always biting them and carried the the disease malaria so it's really exciting to share that and we expect to have that person on the show who's creating that in the next two weeks so it's just you know one of my tidbits for today, jay what about you anything else you want to share in our audience oh yeah i do i want to talk about the
3: um a little music news um i want to talk about facebook uh um, they're saying, and I don't know if this is true, they're saying Facebook and a lot of these social media companies play a relatively minor role in music discovery. And um, I don't know if that's true or not. Because it seems like it plays a bigger role, but they were saying the old way, the old brick and mortar way, the radio, or maybe your friend might play some music for you, or even TV and award shows, uh, music is better distributed through those means opposed to social media. And they have been showing graphs and stuff. And um, I'm wondering, what do you think about that, Gail? Do you think that's a true uh, statement that they're saying, that uh, social media plays a minor role in the music uh, shooting?
1: Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Um, I think that it's a wait and see. Okay.
3: What, what what would make you buy more music, um, Facebook or the
1: AM radio? Or... You know, I, I, don't, think... I don't know. I don't know. I just like listening to, you know, I'm in music, so I it's hard for me to just, it's hard for me to really answer that. I really like to take wait-and-see approaches because, you know, with technology moving at such a fast pace, and Jay, you know, both you and I are very heavily into technology. You, sometimes some things you just really have to take a, a, a step back and say, you know, let me wait and see what this is really about, you know? I think okay. that's... Uh, That's more where I would be going with it, to be honest with you. Okay. Okay. That's a fair answer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, we'll see what happens. Really, I I really do want to see what happens because every time I turn around, there is a new, just a new something, you know, and the only way you're going to find out is if you, you know, if you just take take a wait and see because I'm looking at, for instance, there's a new thing that just came out. It's called Viddy, and it's only on the Apple. And it, it's, uh, I'm sure you've heard about it. There's a whole big thing about it, you know. And, you know, it just, I'm sitting here saying, let me take a look at that. It's about video sharing. You know, I'm just, I believe they're 15-second videos. So just taking a look at that as well. And, you know, one of the other things I wanted to share today is there's a special thing going on. A kindergarten teacher happened to earn 700000 Dollars by selling lesson wow. plans online. Okay, I thought it was an amazing thing, and she was actually she's actually started this out. Okay, it was almost like a marketplace for teachers pay teachers. So it, she was actually doing this, and she was selling her lessons pl- lesson plans on Teachers Pay Teachers, and it was amazing because her lessons her lesson plans helped the other teachers, you mm-hmm. know, prepare for their students. Okay? I didn't even know such a thing went on. I thought each teacher individually, you know, prepared their lesson plans for the students. Now what's happening is Teachers Pay Teachers is actually going to begin to start preparing lesson plans for schools. Okay? And so this is, you know, again, the jury is still on this, but I think it does help to have this happen. I just hope that, you know, while it's focusing on education a lot, I just hope that we don't forget. You know, I'm a big proponent of we must share, okay, the, the technology along with continuing to do things manually as well so students have a well-rounded approach to learning, okay? Mm-hmm. okay? Before before we continue on, I have to say that we have our first guest up, and her name is Swati Shore. So for the audiences who are not aware of Swati, Swati is amazing. She has this spectacular show called Sale with Swati. So we're going to bring her on, and without further ado, we're going to introduce her. Go ahead, Jay. Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome Swati
3: to the show?
2: Oh, hello. Hello, Gail. Hi, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm very very excited to be on your show. This is actually one of the this is actually the first interview I'm actually having about my radio show. And what's kind of interesting is I actually interview people on my show, but I've actually never been interviewed about my show. So, I'm kind of getting that other side of the uh the other side of the ball in this.
1: I could imagine. (laughs) I could imagine how this must be a change for you. I mean, I I guess it does kind of feel funny, you know, from one side to the other.
2: Yes, exactly,
1: exactly. Well, without further ado, I believe Jay has some questions for you, Jay. Sure. Oh yes, yes I do. I wanted to know. I see you have. I see you have a show on
3: sailing. Where did you come up with the idea? for such a unique radio show on sailing and sailor stories.
2: Oh, well, um, so my show is Set Sail with Swati. It's about bringing creativity to sailing. And the whole sort of the inspiration behind the show, um, what had happened, this was two years ago. I was actually on a sailing trip in the Caribbean, and my captain had a book, of sea poems, and I said, you know, I told my crew, I said, you know what, I'm in charge of the poetry. So every night when we would get back to the ship from, you know, being on land, we would have some dessert and, you know, something to drink, and I would have my crew members, they would like lie down on the bow of the boat, looking up at the stars and you're hearing the waves, and I would start to read these sea poems. And these were from 18th and 19th century American and British poets. And it was just such a fun, fun experience actually being in the Caribbean and actually being in the waters. Um, like, for example, Sir Francis Drake like, actually sailed through that channel that I actually read a poem about Sir Francis Drake. <laughs> so it was like really taking something that was written 100 years ago about the place we were in and, like, reciting it to my crew. And that was just incredible. It's, like, really, like, breathing life into these old historic poems that, you know, that no one really kind of knows about because, you know, you don't think about sea poetry in everyday life, but it really gives you that idea of the life of a sailor and, and, like, the things that they experience. And then just being in those actual places that you know that provided inspiration for the poetry, it was just so incredible. So I actually did this for two trips, and then when I came back to New York, this was last year. I said, "Wow, I want to do something in New York City about these sea poems." And kind of long story short, um, I got an opportunity to um, to write a proposal about. The, about a radio show that I would like to create based on that. So in my radio show it's um, capturing sailor stories. It's really the stories behind the sailors. It's about what calls us to the sea. It's the exploration of being a sailor. And so it's that along with poetry and folklore and music. And so it's just really adding creativity to give the it's a 60 minute radio show a structure where people can just listen to it, they can learn something. So there's something there for new sailors and more experienced sailors. But it's really about just connecting our experiences that we have at sea to our experiences that we have on land. So that's also another component um, of the show.
1: It sounds amazing, Swati.
2: Swati, <laughs> one of the
1: things I'd love to ask you is what do you love about sailing and what are some of the places you have visited through sailing?
2: Okay, so what I love about sailing, um, so the first thing is such a timeless experience. So sailing's been around for thousands of years. You know, in the 15th to the 18th century, there's all the exploration from Europe to the Caribbean to Africa. And it's the people who really were able to navigate and conquer the seas were able to do well in trading and in all the colonization. So to me, it's really connecting back to using the wind, this natural element, to harness the wind and to and to propel the boat forward. You know, and like so, there's just a quality to that that I'm just like really attracted to. And then also when you're on the boat, because, you know, I've sailed on small boats on J-24s. And the other aspect I really like is just being with the crew, working together as a team, communicating, getting through issues together, because stuff happens, and there's that unpredictable nature, because the sea is powerful and Mother Nature is powerful, and things can happen. And so there's always that element that you don't know what's going to happen, but you have to deal with the circumstances. And um, so I find that I'm always growing each time. I'm always learning something new. I'm always expanding. So I just love that. Just being on the water is just so peaceful. Getting the perspective of seeing land from the perspective of water, like seeing New York City, you know, sailing by Statue of Liberty, Ellis Island, Governor's Island, I mean, Sailing in New York City is so unique. It is such a unique experience. And I just love seeing the city from the perspective of the water. So that's just one thing I just love about sailing and sailing in New York City. And so the other place the other places I've sailed is in the Caribbean, and that's specifically in the British Virgin Islands. I've done two trips there for one week, sailing to different islands there. And then I've been in St. Vincent and the Grenadines, which is further southwest it's almost near the tip of south america and sailing there was definitely it was more remote and um sailing was a little bit more intense with the winds and the waves and um so there's a so yeah so those are the places that i've sailed and um i just love just that whole exploration and just every place is so different just the, just the unique experiences that it brings.
3: Wonderful. Sorry, this is Jay again. I was I was wondering, do you ever participate in any yacht races?
2: Um I actually haven't participated in any yacht races. Although I did do a fundraising event last fall for the Hudson River community sailing and that was a um that was a regatta. So it was a race from Chelsea Piers down to I think we we're down to uh Statue of Liberty and the Vedizano Bridge. There was a whole um sort of um Um, not a layout, it was a whole race course that was defined, so we have to go around certain buoys and markers. So that was a race, um, but that that was for a a fundraising event. So that's the only race that I have participated in. Oh, wow,
1: Swati.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm actually I'm more of a cruiser than a racer because I just like to relax on the boat and just like take it in. Uh, you know, when you're racing, it's all about like speed and competitive, and you know, it's it, it's a very different feel on the boat. And I'm just not about that. I just like to relax and just uh, just cruise. So I always tell my friends that I'm a cruiser, not a racer. <laughs>
1: Well, one of the things, Swati, we would love to ask you about is, you know, being someone who's sharing with people about the stories of the sailors and connecting people with, you know, on land, their experiences on land as well as on water. One thing we'd to know: what's the difference between sailboats, yachts, and other small boat craft as they relate to rivers, oceans, and uh, lakes?
2: So well, for a sailboat, um, the sailboats come in different sizes. So it can be from a J24, which is a 24 foot sailboat, all the way all the way up to a 40 45 foot. And there's bigger sailboats than that, just depending on the um, what type of water they're going to be on. So for the smaller boats they take less water and wind. So the J-24, that's, that's something you can sail around in New York City. When you're in the Caribbean Sea, you want to be on a bigger boat, and that's typically a 35-foot to a 42-foot boat in the Caribbean Sea. So that's what it is for sailboats. For the bigger boats, those are also called yachts. So with the yacht they usually include the cabins that people can sleep in, and then there's the kitchen, and it's just a lot more comfortable. And then that's just another – it's just another name for the sailboat. I think you Uh, asked about one more more type. I just wanted to make sure that I got that in.
1: Um, Yes, I was wondering about the differences, okay, and the difference is, what is the difference between sailboats, yachts, and small boat craft as they relate to rivers and oceans? Like, you know, I'm sure a sailboat may be good for rivers or oceans or lakes or all three. Same with a yacht yeah. or small boat craft.
2: Yeah, so it just really depends on the current that's there, either in the river or the lake or the ocean. So depending on the current and the waves and the amount of wind. So the more currents and waves and winds you have, the bigger boat you want to be on. Okay, I
1: see what you're yeah, saying. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, so that's why I'm saying it's just dependent. So that's why I'm saying in the in the Caribbean, in the Caribbean Sea, we're on a bigger boat. And that, okay. and but anything from a thirty, I guess a thirty-two foot boat to a forty-two foot boat sailboat, like that's comfortable. You know, that that's what works there. You don't want to be on a small boat like on a J24 there, on a tiny boat in the Caribbean Sea because you, the winds, um, I mean the waves will just be just pounding you, and you you just do not want to be in that situation. So safety is just the number one concern for sailors. So you okay. just want to keep safety in mind. Yeah.
1: Very interesting.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah what's what's your what's your favorite sailor story?
2: Oh, wow. Um, I think, I don't think I have one in particular, but some of my favorites are um, just when I interview local sailors from uh, New York City. So there was one in particular, and he was talking about how he could see the wind on the water. And I thought that was so unique because I could, at first I was like, what, I couldn't even really get what he was saying, But there is a way that once you start sailing and just really looking at the water and the shades of the water and, like, the ripples on the water, you can actually start to see the wind on the water. And I thought that was just so cool. And I sort of took that conversation, and then when I had gone out sailing, I, I was, like, trying to look for the wind on the water. So what I love is when people share their experiences, and it's like, it's like they're contributing to me and I can take it and I can go and see things in a new way. So that's just like my favorite part about really listening and capturing the sailor stories. Wow, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah.
3: The water is so soothing. I guess the water is so soothing, huh?
2: Yeah. (laughs) It is, it is. I just love looking at it. To me, it's just like, peaceful and it's calm, and it's just it I think it gives people just like space to just reflect and just sort of get out of the daily grind, you know especially you know you know being in New York City, we get really caught up with our land life and to really let go of that and just be out on the water for a few hours to me is soothing
1: that's great. So, well, Swati, I would love for, you know, we're coming to the end of our time. Thank you for being with us today. And we look forward. Would you ever think about coming back on with us again?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, anytime. time. Um, just, yes. Yeah, so for my show, so Let's with Swati, it's, um, I think it just gives, I mean, I've just learned, so much from it, so I just love to, um, just to share and to contribute, um, just, yeah, what I've I've done out of it.
1: Well, one thing we'd like to ask you very quickly, and then we have to bring our guest Carol Lester on, is that Mm -hmm. one of the things we would love to know from you is, do you think sailing is great for youth?
2: Do I think it, it is great for me?
1: For youth, youth, young people.
2: Oh, for youth? Oh, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And there are actually, um, I know of a program in, um, it's in Chelsea Piers. It's actually through the Hudson River Community Sailing. They actually have a whole school program for urban youth to get high school credits for them to learn boat building, for them to learn sailing, and for them to um sort of learn the math and the physics behind sailing like the science aspect of sailing also absolutely i think it gives kids um or youth an opportunity to build their leadership to build their communication because when you're on a small boat with two or three other people and stuff is happening you you you've got to work together <laughs> you know there's like no question about that to adjust the sails or, you know, get the water out right. or figure out the your course, you know, what's not working. So absolutely, it gives kids an opportunity to learn about the math and science, the physics behind sailing, what keeps right. the boat Communication.
1: You know, well, thank yes. you for sharing that with us. And can you tell our audience very quickly where they can find out more about you? And we will have it on our website, listengive.com, starting Monday morning. And could we include that information, Swati, about you as well as that program that you spoke of?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. So, um, so for my show, that's Felix Swati. It can be found on www.radiohive.org, and I broadcast live on Tuesday nights, seven to eight p.m. Oh great. Okay. Yeah. So- and we'll
1: definitely let our audience know about that. And if there's any more information that you would like to find out about Swati, we will have that up after the show. And you can feel free to go to our show and hear Swati's uh, interview over again, along with all of her information about it. Swati, thank you so much.
2: Thank you so,
1: thank you. so much, yeah. Pleasure. Thank you so much, Gail and Jay.
2: Thank
1: you. Wonderful. And have a wonderful thank you. day. Thank you. Jay, we we'll are bring you on yeah. our next. Yes, I'm really excited. Her name is Carol Lester, and of course I'm excited because she's from my hometown right now, and her name is Carol Lester, and she is with the Jersey City Board of Education as well as the on the, the chair for the Science, Technology, and Green Initiative, and so forth. So I'm really excited. So without further ado, we're bringing in Carol Lester. Carol, how are you? Hi, Gail. How are you? I'm fine, and this is our co host, Carol. This is Jay Logan. Jay Logan is an award winning music producer uh, who's worked with so many different artists globally. And Jay, this is Carol Webster.
3: Hi, Carol. Jay, it's a, How are you doing? It's a <laughs> pleasure.
0: Good. It's a pleasure to meet you.
3: Same, likewise. Well, Carol, yeah, you know, music, wanna...
0: music was what I gave up when I went into advocacy. It's, it's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks my, it said... sucks my soul dry.
1: Oh it's no! Something, it's, it's, I know, but it's something that we never give up.
0: And you know, Carol, I just want to thank you for being on our show. Oh well, you thank know. you for having me. It seems like just a few minutes ago, you and I were talking how to fix the world <laughs> on the corner of Erie and Second in Jersey City. Yes, yes, it was. And you know, Carol, as you know, you know, we were sharing with our audience.
1: You are the head of the board. Of, you know, one of, on the board of education. Uh, committee, and the chair for sciences and technology and green initiatives, as well as the chair for, you know, the search for new services uh, superintendent. And I yes. just wanted to ask you something. As you a part of this area, you must have a chance to see where the public school is for children in terms of technology and science. Can you mm-hmm. share with us your thoughts on that?
0: Well... In Jersey City, we have a challenge that is similar to many urban areas. And it starts with um, our facilities. We have crumbling urban infrastructure, and we have old infrastructure. So um, with something as simple as air conditioning for an entire building, these buildings were built in the 40s and the 50s. Um, I've been trying on my committee that I I chair that just got started, uh, green initiatives, technology, and science. I have to say I've been trying to find partnerships with some people in the area about can our kids work with some scientists and some local universities to figure out if we can create the next round of air conditioning that's green You know, Louis Latimer, many years ago, an African-American gentleman who I believe created the filament in the light bulb, but Thomas Edison got all the credit, Um, he created the first in-window air cooling system. So maybe we need to go a little backwards to go a little forwards, but some practical things like that. And then as far as higher tech things, the buildings are older, so we need new science labs. But these days, we could have some virtual labs. These days, you can hook up with companies like Liberty Science Center, the BioBus, which is very popular in New York, and the kids could, in their classroom, see a live surgery, go on a voyage in outer space. I mean, there, there are so many possibilities, um, but we're not even hooked up for Wi-Fi everywhere. So um, we just need – its I feel like we need a committee of community members who – feel this, understand this, and would know how to have a solution so we can really bring our facilities forward into the 21st century and beyond and um, let our kids really have access to the world out there and and what's possible. Uh, Hmm. Okay, I, I got a question
3: for you. I wanted to talk about some of our, our San Francisco uh, school systems out here. And I wanted mm-hmm. to know how do you think how do you think uh we can improve our schools uh in you know, in the West out here. Um what can we do to make our schools better for children to learn better? And um how do you see uh the education going out here uh to make it better? You know,
0: Thank you for that question, Jay. I, you know, I don't know much about San Francisco. I'm I'm on the East Coast, but I do know that the state of American education, you know, right now, <laughs> we're being lied to by a lot of people trying to make some money off of what is a two-thirds of a trillion dollar budget nationally for education. And while I would love to believe that people are coming at this for all the right reasons and telling you in local districts your schools are failing and your kids are this and everything's that, a lot of these people have quite green motivations, but not green environmental, green like cash. So the challenge for people responsible for public education now is working, in my opinion, working within the system for trying to find proven best practices. What helps kids learn better? I mean, hands-on. When they learn something, they get to build a little project based on it. You know, these days we keep talking about high tech. I was just talking about it. But our brain works in many modalities. We have auditory, visual, kinesthetic. And if, we're not use, if we don't allow our children to use everything they have, be able to talk about something they're excited about, be able to build something with their hands that to apply a concept they just learned, let the kindergarten through fifth grade teachers talk to each other. Why should the fifth grade teachers get blamed when they're taking the standardized tests if the curriculum wasn't really meeting a basic need in first and second grade? You know, this country is so about blaming teachers these days, and we're just not looking at things. We're not allowing our teachers to be our leaders. And I I guess that comes back to answer your question. How can we improve education in San Francisco and everywhere? Let Let our great teachers be our leaders. Let them tell us what they need. And then let's make sure that they have those resources in their classrooms. They don't need five layers of bosses. You know, all making five times as much money as they do, telling them what to do. Carol, is there a way to standard the curriculum? Is there a
3: way to standardize curriculum to where every child has the same book? Because I've noticed, like, in certain areas, some books are dated, and in certain areas, some books are newer. So I was wondering, is there a way to where every child in America can study from the same curriculum? Because some of the editions are older, some of them are, you know, in different
1: schools. Right.
0: So, so, Jay, it's it's interesting because we do live in a capitalist society. So even when we have a great curriculum, there are other people that come out, and even like when you see a TV show that's successful, next thing you know three months later there's five more versions of it. People, the school districts themselves and the Department of Education doesn't write the textbooks, but what they've been doing lately is under President Obama, hooray, um he has been creating and inspiring a lot of states to sign up for national core curriculum standards.
1: Wow.
0: Now, now New Jersey is one of the states that just started signing up for it. And um, so the core curriculum standards don't necessarily have all the same books, but the books have to, whatever publisher is out there doing things, maybe some of them you know, have a lot more field trips in their curriculum or other ones have a lot more online activities. Whatever it is they're doing, the core curriculum points are supposed to be the same. Um, So I think that would help a lot. And it it would also give teachers the freedom to do things they think will be exciting um, in the class so the kids really maintain and retain the knowledge.
1: Wow, that
0: is so... I tell you, the more and more
1: Carol that we hear you talking, it's uh, it's it's pretty interesting, to say the least. Pretty interesting. You know, Carol. One of the things I actually have two questions for you. Okay, and mm-hmm. one of the one of the questions, the, the first questions I'd like to ask you is, what do you think about art and music uh, for every, whether it's public, private. Or uh, one of the other schools, the charter schools, any school. Do you think I happen right. to think and they happen to think that music and art offers a balance, with also in addition to academia, you know, of your history, of your English, and so forth. We think it offers a positive balance along with physical education. And without arts and music and culture, the kids don't have, a, you know. A, they don't have a balance. It's like we're working them to death but not offering them the creativity as well. Do you think that that, you know, we've seen studies of that J&I and research in, in that area, and that's one of the things that's important to us about bringing back to the school in addition to higher education for children. Do you think arts and music is a, necess- a necessity in schools?
0: Right. Gail, you know what? You're actually preaching to the choir here, the literal choir. I've been in a lot of choirs in my life. Um i I think it is like you said it's integral it's it's we have to go back and we have to go back to George W. Bush, who destroyed ten years of public education with an initiative called No Child Left Behind, which while it had a lovely title, and everyone of course wants every child to succeed, there was no national norman like like Jay brought up, you know not only was there not a national curriculum. It was a free-for-all just of evaluations, which, you know, if you really want to think about a conspiracy, perhaps it was just 10 years later to make it so legally you could shut down every public school and let a private company come in and take the tax dollars and run it. I don't want to say I believe in that uh, conspiracy, except it certainly played out that way. But so the arts in this rush, this mad, crazy rush For test results, nobody could afford it anymore. And Hmm. when you think about when the education in this country was really the best, which was when uh, the nation decided to compete with the Soviet Union during the Sputnik time and get ourselves up in math and science, you know, all the arts were still in the curriculum. And they were fully funded. So it's not like in our best time of education – we got rid of the arts. Um, and as even though I'm the chair of the technology and science and green initiatives department, uh, and my daughter's an engineering student, I'm, I have a secret to tell everybody. The only reason I loved school at all for many years was because I could sing in the choir and because I could... I. I go to my art classes and jewelry making classes. I did my other classes and I tried to, you know, get good grades in them. They didn't inspire my heart as much as, and soul as much as my arts classes. And if I was sad and down and, you know, teenagers go through a lot and when you have a chance to actually express yourself, um, even if no one else sees it, even if it's, it's just a painting you're working on, fourth period, at you know, 11.30 in the morning and then you put it away and no one can see your feelings. I mean, it's it's really vital. I think art saves mm-hmm. lives. Wow. 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 Yeah, okay. uh, it seems like
3: um, what you're saying is, girl, is that you sh- school should be about education, but you should also enjoy it and have something there for every child to, to kind of coach them along so they want to go to school because if it's all work and no fun, you can probably damage the uh, the aspirations of the kid or what they're trying to achieve there. So it should be fun, too. It shouldn't be all just work. Right. So
1: no, it, just, no. it should be fun. Well, you know, Carol, Jay and I have both have two questions with you. So, Jay, I'm, I'm going to start off with, you know, the second one. I mean, the first one. Second one. Um, Carol, what do you think about the funding being reduced in the
0: schools. Um you know it's a big challenge because on the one hand I I I am pro public education. I am I feel like what makes my my parents were the first generation of their families to graduate high school and college you know I graduated college, I had my own business my you know i I feel like public education is what makes me now four generations later i uh, i my colleagues who were the great great grandchildren of factory workers, slaves immigrants um anyone who came here and worked hard and maybe one or two people in the family. Were able to use their education as a way of pulling themselves up out of where they were and creating an entire new life for themselves and the rest, the future of their whole family. We can't lose that, and I. It's so frustrating because we're being, I feel we're being lied to about because other people want to make a profit off of it and they want to blame teachers for things and bust the unions and. Look, there's some abuses that go on and they definitely have to be reined in, but it's almost like the 99% 1%. you know, i think most teachers are great. there's a couple teachers who, you know, cause a problem and next thing you know, wackos can say get rid of everybody, you know? and we have federal government, department of federal education, state education, regional education, And then in the schools themselves, this is our big challenge, we have administration, a whole building that's not seeing children, that's not in the schools, that's not in a classroom, and that building must cost $100 million? I I don't know because it's very hard to get the actual facts. So what happens is education turns into a place where adults, create jobs for themselves that are not in the classroom. They're they're not, you know, there's a lot of research going on, a lot of this and that. If we can get more efficiency out of administration, I say leave the classrooms alone, let the teachers give, when a teacher says, I need this, I need to take my kids on this kind of a trip, we need Google Earth, we need, you know, interconnectivity to be able to do this, we need popsicle sticks to build a bridge you give those teachers and the principals everything they say they want, so the children can succeed. And <laughs> so, <to laughs> rein in our other costs, we would really help to solve the problem.
3: So, what you're saying is big business. So, my other question here is, uh, you know, the old days, girl, we could, we could, uh, we could just have a bake sale, or you know, a, a national bake sale, and sell cookies, and that'll solve the problem. So what, uh, what do we do? What, what do we do now? What are, what are some of the solutions with all these schools closing and the, the kids being crammed into classes, which is very sad. I don't know if you can teach 60 kids with one teacher in a class. What are some of the solutions? You know, we, well, what, t- why what, don't
0: you tell me what's happening where you are? Did did what happened? What, when did the schools close? And and how? Are, why did the class sizes go up? And what were you promised oh, instead? I think I think <laughs> Carol. I think what
1: we're asking more is that. The same things are going on in Jersey City, are happening right. in San Francisco, and all over. And as someone who's really in with the system, you know, Jay is a is a is a parent, and I am a aunt of three nieces, and both my nieces and Jay's daughter and his oldest daughter are excelling very well, but that's because they have involved parents, okay? Right. And the teachers, you know, regardless of the school system, we're pretty lucky. And, Jay, you tell me if I'm wrong, I think what we're asking you is what do you think some of the solutions are for the overcrowding in the schools in general, for, you know, how teachers can connect more with parents, how we can, instead of us blaming the government, because that's easy to do, how do we work in partnership with the government? You know, do you have any thoughts on those things?
0: I do. You know, uh, of the people, by the people, for the people. There's a little bit of democracy left. We've got to step in good people, have good, honest people with good intentions. Look, we can never guarantee that everything we want to do is going to turn out right. But how about some good, honest people with good intentions, parents who care about, truly care about the future, not just writing some novel theoretically about what the future is. We we have to pave, we, we have to go out the door every day and create the road that our children walk down. And good people need to come forward and revive actual democracy on a local board of education level now these are not paid positions but i ran for one and i, I want it and i'm i'm staying honest and i'm going in there and willing to look at all these budgets and ask the simple questions uh does this cost really help the kids and that's you know that's one thing to do every parent you know needs to be an advocate and every parent is an advocate they they come in and you know these are these are public schools that we're paying for and you know whatever the chain of command is if there's a teacher doing something that you think is not helpful to your child's uh growth or if there's a teacher doing something that's so wonderful, but their classroom is crammed with sixty kids. I don't know you bring your your YouTube in, you bring your laptop in and and you film it, and you say you just we just have to keep posting things out there like look, we were told this these guys are making some money now, but look what happened to our kids um, yeah, and I guess. Support our teachers. I mean, don't just because there's a couple bad apples here and there. That's just that's just an excuse. It's really just an excuse for people who don't really care about anything except getting their piece of the pie to come in. Got
1: it. Well, I just you know uh, you know thank you. But just, you just were talking about something more. You, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. you 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 really helped us here because. Our audiences need to hear from someone who sits, you know, on a board in Jersey City because, you know, we're known as a borough, Jay, and we're really not the borough. Jersey City is unto itself. And it it has some of the same challenges that we have all over the world, not just here in the States. And so having someone like you, Carol, that comes on and shares this with us, like Jay and I who are active, you know, with parents and kids and want to see things, in a, you know, different way. And not from a political standpoint, from child to child, and here you are on the board making a difference for all of the parents and the kids, you know, and and I really want to thank you, take the time to thank you personally. You could have gone on to a private school board, but you took on urban education.
0: You You know, I feel, thank you, and I feel, you know, I helped start a charter school many years ago, but when I was the board president of that school, our teachers unionized, and we did everything we loved our teachers we did everything possible so that there were there was one boss and that was it whenever we could as parents and we would try to bring local businesses in and neighbors you know we'd say hey listen we need to paint the building can you come in today we need to do this there was you know one family that was in construction if we had problems they would you know help us out on the weekends i mean we we made it so that whatever little budget we got it went to the kids and it's it's a hard it's it's a hard fight because you're also talking about other people's lives you know people who have jobs who they don't consider themselves a waste they think they're part of a solution and maybe they are but uh not for that much money
1: that's... All I can say is we want to thank you. I mean, really.
0: Uh, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, well, thank you. I hope we can talk again soon, you know. And, uh, and, we will. And, you know, great parents, It's it's actually the most important thing. I mean, loving and accepting your child and, you know, trying to be supportive when something's tough for them, but then the hard part is like, you know, kind of like being their boss. You know, because then the better, I feel like the the better of a parent I was, the more my daughter resented it, you know. Um, but hopefully later on in life, you know, she'll say, oh, my mom made me do this and I didn't want to and I had to turn off the TV and I had to unplug the computer and do my homework and, you know, all that stuff.
1: It's, I think you've done, like I said, I think you've done an amazing job and, you know, just keep up, just really keep up the great work. We thank you for, you know, being with us today, and like I said, really giving people here an opportunity. Is there any play? Is there anything that you would like to share with our audience any further before we, you know, uh, say goodbye? And we definitely would love to
0: have you on again soon. Well, um, no, except that, um, you know, I. Uh, I'm also a songwriter, so I'd love to talk to you about that. And um, one of my little themes is just a little chant, and it kind of ties in with, you know, education and how I feel about the world. Can I set? Can I kind of sing it for you? Uh,
1: well, we don't have enough time because we're running out. But we would love oh, to. Oh no, have no, you no that it's like,
0: okay, it's five seconds.
1: No, we would because we had our other guests waiting.
0: Oh, okay. So,
1: All right. Yes, but we would. Would you mind coming back on the show in about a week or two to share
0: that with us? I, I'd, I'd love to, and hopefully, I'll maybe I'll in between times I'll look up San Francisco so I can find out a little more about your schools out there too. Well,
1: um, yeah, would love you.
0: to. We'd love to have you back to find out more about your personal
1: artistry, if that's okay.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. That was be know, fun. Looking, it was it, so nice to happy. meet
1: you today, Gail. No problem. And we thank you for being on with us, and we hope you have a wonderful day. And, Jay, is there anything else you'd like to say to Carol?
3: No, I think you've been very delightful, and I appreciate all the information you share with us. And thank you so much, and hope to see you soon in a couple of weeks.
0: Good. Thanks, Jay. Take care. You thank soon. you. All right. All right bye-bye. Bye.
1: Jen? That was an amazing hey. interview with Carol.
3: Yes, it was. And very, very, very. A lot of information, and uh, it's great that we have uh, people like that that sit on our boards around the country. You know, hopefully we
1: got yeah. many more of those carols. And, and having Swati share with us about what she does, and you know, she's an inspiration to other adults and youth herself. You know, and then Swati shared with us how people could go uh, sailing. Well. We had a caller here, and it seems like uh, they've dropped. So we'll see if they'll come back on. So in the meantime, Jay, uh, we could have had Carol say oh, all <laughs> good. So in the meantime, Jay, let's uh, you know let's just share about a couple of other uh, things here. I know you had one other thing that you wanted to share with us as well.
3: Oh yes, I did. There's a uh, there's some guys uh, at MIT, which is kind of a technology school. And they've won a hundred thousand uh, dollars. They developed a thing called a file picker, and it's a way to where you can integrate uh, Gmail, uh, Dropbox in your browser, so you can start doing things in your browser. You don't have to go to your uh, basically to your email account. You can do everything on your browser, um, and it's, uh, it's great for developers. And they just won an award, and they got a, a pretty much uh, this thing is going to come out. It's called file picker. So you guys look out for file picker. Um, and the group is called, um, uh, Cloud, I think they call called Cloudspot or something like that. And, uh, I'm going to get the name right here. I am just going to make sure I get the right name of the group. Um, but it's amazing amazing, pro- it's an amazing little program and, um, I'm w- I can't wait because it'd be great to integrate the, all those things just on your browser. You don't have to go to your email and, um, uh, I think, uh, It'll be great for everyone once we um, get this File Picker program out and be able to use it. But the group is called Cloud Top. That's what they call it, you Gail. Know, Cloud Top. And they just won $100,000 in the competition. So look out for the File Picker, everyone. Oh,
1: wow. Well, here's, a, here's something very interesting. Young listeners are turning off broadcasts turn off broadcast, and tune into internet radio. Can you believe it? A recent study is finding that internet radio listenership is on the rise. And while digital device usage may have something to do with this increase, it's harder to pinpoint social media's role. So, you know, we can't say it's because of social media. But I know that we're saying here the target spot found that 42% of U.S. households with broadband internet listen to internet radio. Now, you know, I want to say something about this. And by the way, this is by way of Mashable.com that we're getting this information. Again, much of our information is from different sites online. We want to say thank you to Yahoo. Thank you to Mashable. Thank you to Digital Music News from uh, Jay on his side. Just thank you to all of those that we use every week for our news and information. But one of the things we want to talk about today is, you know, in terms of that before we leave off Jay is the fact that, you know, while Internet radio is on the rise, we will I think we will always have FM. I th- again, you know, I'm for the old and the new. You know how I go with that, okay? If we cut out all of the FM radio, first of all, there will be a lot of people out of work. Number two, everyone in the world doesn't have a computer. They're still the senior citizens. There's still young people that, believe it or not, that are not into the computer. There's a lot of people out here that don't want to be technologically dead in the head. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think we have to remember that, that it's a, there's a room for both traditional and non-traditional. I am a lover 100% of both, okay? There are times I don't, you know, what if your Wi-Fi uh, connection goes down? You're screwed. I can still listen to my radio. That's why I refuse okay. to have t- telephone on my Wi-Fi. I can still use good old handy Verizon that goes through the normal telephone line. I always believe that if Wi Fi goes down, the other things that we have to bridge in communication is always there. So with that said, I will always listen to F M or AM radio in addition to international radio. What about you, Jay, before we leave?
3: Yeah, well, you know, y'all like to ride in a car and you wanna to listen to things when you're in traffic and you're just used to it. It's like a, something you turn to, you turn on. you know. Hey, I think we're going to always have the analog um, and the digital uh, radio, and I think it's necessary. And the main thing you said, the infrastructure and jobs, we don't want a lot of these people to lose their jobs. Um, there's, a, You know, we have a, in this country, there's a lot of things being canceled and taken away from us. So we definitely have to keep both the digital and the analog. And I love the, the radio and interactions and how you can win prizes and you know, you're sitting in traffic, you know, you get other people's opinion, talk radio. So, yeah, we both, we do. We need both. We need the digital radio. And information is so abundant now to where it's great that we have a choice. We can listen to our computers or we can listen to the old, go back in time and listen to the old radio, how it was, uh, what our parents listened to. So I hope that we never lose
1: the radio. I think it's a wonderful oh. thing. Well, here's the, here's two things. I'm going to play a little bit of the treasure song going out because I think everyone's a treasure. And then the last part of that is next week, new format, everyone. We will be voting on things. You will have an opportunity to win prizes. We're going to vote for new artists, new writers, everyone. So with that, Mr. Logan, I bid adieu, and let's let everyone know that they are a treasure. All right, folks, listen to treasure as we go out.